0: Uh, John chapter number 8. I so appreciate being here and appreciate Brother Mike asking me to be here. Appreciate these dear people here because you always, uh, if you don't enjoy my preaching, you sure do fake it awful good. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it it helps a man to know. People like to hear what he's got to say. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I, I I know a man and... He was in a, just an awful, awful shape, and some of the people in his church, Brother Mike, got to getting his tapes, analyzing everything he was saying so they could criticize him. Man, I wouldn't want cross-street preach people like that. No, Lord, help! But I like folks got a hunger for God. Appreciate what the Lord's doing here, what he's attempting to do, and by faith shall do. Amen? Praise God. John chapter 8, verse number 1. I've never preached this before. Then been studied on this last night and today. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. It's important to know where he's at. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he, he sat down and taught them. That doesn't mean all the people in Jerusalem or all the people in Israel, but all the people that had come to the temple went to hear him. Now this is a real problem for these Pharisees. If they don't stop this thing, they're going to get out of business. And they know it, and they're going to have to do something pretty fast because he's got the crowd following him. And therefore, they've got to discredit him and try to come up with some plan and orchestrate some situation to bring about his Waterloo, sort of like a politician. You know how they'll they'll get somebody to dig up dirt, make up dirt. Any man gets uh, momentum going, and the incumbent's about to lose. And uh, they'll always these old liberals always bring out the trash day before the election. That's, what, that's, what this, that's what's happening here. The Lord's not running for election here. He's the king. He don't have to run for nothing. But the thing is, he's, he's got the consideration and the love of the people and got their ear. So here's these scribes and Pharisees. Verse 3, here's what they're going to do. Scribes and Pharisees brought in him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken into in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have, a, uh, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. When they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, (coughs) said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, folks, the, the very motive of all this has so been misunderstood by people. I mean, if someone is out here and they're doing something that's the obvious sin and you say something about it, if if you've never sinned, then you cast the first stone. That's not what this is about. Not at all. And uh, what what the Lord, what what he's condemning here is the attitude of these Pharisees. And the attitude of the Pharisees is worse than this woman's adultery. Now, that's what he's getting at. Now, verse number 8, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Now, I'd sure like to know what he wrote. Wouldn't you? I'd sure like to know. We can all speculate, but that'd that'd be what it would be is speculation. I have no clue what he wrote, none whatsoever. Well, some say he might have wrote down the name of the man that was with her, and he might have been there the the chief accuser. Well, it wasn't just one man that left. They started at the elder, the ancient, the oldest one there. And I don't know why they proceeded to go from the oldest to the youngest. See, there's something about what he said, what he wrote on the ground, that made them start from the oldest and go down to the youngest leaving. Now, you try to figure that now. And uh, you're not going to, and I'm not either. But the important thing is not what Christ wrote. The important thing is that he did. And I'll say more about that. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Did you hear what she called him? She's repented. She's got right with God. In the midst of all this, God's done a work of regeneration on her or a work of opening her eyes up. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. You know why? You don't condemn somebody that's repented. No, there's no condemnation left. Neither do I condemn thee. That doesn't mean it wasn't important what she did. Doesn't mean it wasn't scandalous and wicked what she did. It means, praise God, she found forgiveness for what she did. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, when you're God, you get to do stuff like that. (laughs) Here they are trying to use God's word against the lawgiver, Trying to trip up the author of the Bible. Trying to confuse the one that 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 uh, engraved it on minerals of stone on Mount Sinai. Isn't this foolishness? Man, sat around trying to correct the Bible. Boy, how foolish. I mean, sit around trying to, trying to figure out if evolution's right. Well, it takes more. It doesn't take faith to believe in evolution. It takes a lot of foolishness. Well, my goodness, a first grader knows better than that. Nothing plus no one does not equal everything. Anybody knows that. Everything that you see, somebody's had to make it. See how foolish man is, how that he puts up all these lies and deceptions and and what he does, he just don't want to bow to the authority of God. But Christ, when he saved this woman and she called him Lord, he told her to go and sin no more. He's going to give her power over sin. She's not going to be back down that ditch the next day. No, her adultery business is over. Her sin and business is over. That doesn't mean she's never going to sin again or be tempted again, but it's not, she's not going to habitually live in sin. God's people can trip up and get out of God's will, but they're not going to habitually live in sin for 40 years and go to heaven. I don't believe that. And you don't either. Now, you've heard all these testimonies. You don't believe me. I don't either. I believe him. a man meet the man of Galilee, the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes a difference. I want to talk to you a little bit on where are thine accusers. Where are thine accusers? I want to tell you something that might amaze you. For hundreds and hundreds of years, preachers would not preach from this chapter that, I'm re- that I've read in your hearing. 3,000 plus sermons of C.H. Spurgeon. Never one time did he ever preach from John chapter number 8 about this woman caught in the very act of adultery. This chapter was so hated by the Puritans. And I'm not a fan of the Puritans. Hey, they give my Baptist forefathers too much trouble. But the Puritans would not preach from this. Many of them in their own churches had it literally taken out of their Bible. They did not believe that it was inspired of God. And the reason being, they had in their mind how uh, that if folks believe this, how uh, that what happened in this story, that women would be encouraged to commit adultery. Well, that's the farthest thing from the truth. What Christ is saying in this story, He's not encouraging adultery. Adultery. He's encouraging sinners to flee to Christ for forgiveness. The emphasis here is not on adultery. It's on the forgiveness of Christ. It's on the fact that the law cannot forgive you. The law can't save you. The law of God, all it can do is damn your soul because you broke it. Here in this beautiful, beautiful example of the Lord's mercy, we see the of Christ. How encouraging that it is to see that if God could forgive this woman, he can forgive you and he can forgive me. He's able to save to the uttermost all them that come to God by Christ. Now this story tells the purpose of the ministry of Christ. For the Son of Man is come to see and to save that which was lost. Christ Jesus 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 came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, Of whom I am chief. Now, although Spurgeon never preached from this, he made a great statement, and it sort of goes along with this story. Spurgeon said on one occasion that the first step to heaven is not seeing Christ as your Savior, but seeing the need of a Savior. I believe that's right. I believe before a person ever sees Christ, they see their need of Christ. It's like this. Before we ever see the remedy, we see the problem or see the disease. And that's so true in your life and mine. I cannot convince you that you're lost. But if you ever realize that you are, how hopelessly lost you are, you'll be glad to hear that there's one that died and paid the price that you could be saved. Now Christ said, they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick. There is no hope for good people but there's mercy for sinners. I will repeat that. There's no hope, never been any hope for a good man or a good woman but there's a lot of mercy for a sinner that no That they are a sinner. Have you ever noticed how God, uh, how that it's articulated in the Bible? Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the godly. He died for the ungodly. If you're ungodly tonight, he died for you. If you're a sinner tonight, he died for you. Now if you sprouted wings and got and uh, got a halo and don't think you need to be saved, uh, he didn't die for you. He just died for the lost and for the sinful man. And I hope you know what I'm trying to say. What does stop Tell us, it tells us how God hates self-righteousness. Now we see the Lord deals with two classes of people in this story. you got the woman caught in the very act of adultery and then you've got the self righteous Pharisees do you know that when Christ was on this earth he never one time rebuked a publican he never rebuked a drunk he never rebuked the harlot he never rebuked the prostitute but he rebuked these religious Pharisees because they deemed themselves to be righteous within themselves they thought they were saved in other words by what they did and not what God must do for one's heart now here's a picture of the redemptive work of Christ here's a woman notice the adulterer or adulteress is. These Pharisees, these bunch of scoundrels, these bunch of devils have set this woman up. I don't know what they've done. I don't know how they did it. But they got her, they tricked her, and they trapped her. And when this man, whoever he was, uh, went in unto her, they were standing at the door and they crashed through to catch her in the very act of adultery. Now the reason... The Pharisees did this was to trap Christ theologically. Uh, They think they finally got a victim. They finally solved Samson's riddle. They finally have found out the puzzle and the answer thereof how they can embarrass and humiliate Christ. And they bring this woman taken in the very act of adultery. And they claim, of course, now they're doing this biblically. They've got their two witnesses in the mouth. Of two or three witnesses shall everything be established. And you can bet one thing, they didn't let this woman get dressed properly. I guarantee you, she's not modest. They're dragging her like a dog and throw her down in front of Christ. These same Pharisees that so pride themselves in being so accurate spiritually and following the law of God so orthodox early in the morning the Lord has gone to the temple. He's teaching the people, the Bible says and then this sanctimonious mob of Pharisees and scribes have come marching down the road with this poor fallen woman. Now first of all uh, we see uh, that she's caught in the act and the accusation is What they say is this. Moses said uh, that if a woman committed adultery, uh, she was to be stoned. Well, it wasn't just the woman. It was the man also. Now, these men are given a pretension that they want justice. But when you got two people and one just as guilty as the other and you just want justice for one, that's the ultimate injustice, what they're doing. of Christ had mercy and compassion upon this woman. Have them that say you violated the law of Moses. If Christ said a stoner to the death, have them. He's lost the heart of the people for he's known as the friend of publicans and of sinners. So here they've come to embarrass two people to embarrass her and embarrass. Christ. There's not a person in this building that, I mean, you just get upset when you read this story. How vicious these men were to this woman. I'm not taking up her sin. It's hideous. It's demonic. It's of the devil. But that's not the way you treat people like they did. While they're setting up on their ceremonious perch and they're uh, they're bigger sinners than she is and have no mercy upon her. How they brought her to the temple to be judged. Now notice this. All of us in some degree are guilty of hideous sin. If not what you've done physically, what you thought in your heart. But the first thing I want to do is to make sure that you know I'm not minimizing adultery. I'm not uh, trying to gloss it over. And I'm not trying to uh, uh, bring some kind. Kind of looking upon it lightly or condoning it, adultery is one of the greatest sins anybody has ever committed. In other words to tell you how serious that it was, it was a capital crime. It brought the death penalty. Uh, right. and, and there were no exceptions. If a woman and a man were married and they com- one of them committed adultery, them and the one that done it with were to be stoned to death by the people. That's the law of Moses. Now the law of God is the commandments of God. It's the expression of the will of God. When you read the Bible, it is an expression of the Will of the great creator of this universe. It's an expression of the holiness of. God. It's an expression of what Christ said. Be ye holy as I am also holy. Thou shalt not commit adultery like all sin. This offends the holiness of God. Now why is adultery such a serious sin? Because it does something to you that more, uh, most sins do not do. If you go rob a man, that affects you But if you do it by yourself, it just affects you as far as the sin is concerned. But when a man or a woman commits fornication or adultery, they defile their own soul. The Bible says, he that committeth adultery with a woman sinneth against his own body. This is a serious thing. What this woman does. And if you tonight are guilty of this sin, you need to realize how hideous that it is, but don't stop there. Realize that you can be forgiven of it if you repent of what you've done. It's so damaging to the person. It's so damaging to the other person involved. It's so damaging to the innocent victim. It is so damaging uh, to the children. Right. I'm talking about a family. I'm talking about married people that break their vow. Break the covenant of God. Oh, it's a horrible and a hideous sin. It engulfs one in shame and in reproach and in deep. Guilt. It breaks the trust or the covenant between a man and his wife, a woman, and her husband, and God. But it's a sin against your own soul. So I want tonight to let you know what's happening here is not a lot matter. What this woman did, she was deserving of death. And you and I, when we sin, we're deserving of death. That's why we don't appreciate grace and mercy because we've never seen sin like it really is we think it's just a temporary and a light thing in the eyes of God let me illustrate this I will not going to use this because I'm going to use this in another sermon sometime but there was this preacher witnessing to this man and this man could not lay hold of, a, of the idea of eternal punishment and he said, you know, if I had a little puppy dog, and I loved that little puppy dog, I wouldn't throw that puppy dog into hell. That man stood there and said, your, your analogy totally wrong. You're not a puppy dog, and the Lord don't like your actions. What you are, you think you're a puppy dog, but that evil nature in you is a snarling wolf. Hey, are you listening now? He said, what would you say if you, uh, uh, that, that little puppy dog you called? you brought it to the house and your wife tried to pet it and that uh, little puppy dog who's a wolf cut a, a bit her finger off. What about you when you tried to pet it? It uh, a bit a chunk out of your leg. What about it got in your house? Boy, we're going to prove this little dog is going to grow out of this. He's a good little dog. He just needs to be loved. He's a good little dog. He just needs the right environment. That dog rips up your house, rips up your couches, and then oh, you go, you say, well, we still believe in the little puppy dog. And the, you have a little baby. Bring the little boy home. And while you're asleep, that wolf breaks in, has a bedroom, and eats that baby alive. Now, do you think it's a sweet little puppet dog? Listen to me. What God hates about us is not you as a person, but it's that evil, a damn satanic nature that's in you and that's in me. And sin is serious. It's so serious that if a man dies unforgiven, he'll go to hell forever. It's so serious. That what it cost to pay its debt was the blood of Jesus Christ, of a God and Man. That's how serious sin is to God. Now, what an injustice this is that's happening! But in the midst of all that, you say, "Man, you're about as hard as these Pharisees." Oh no, I pity her. Oh, absolutely, Christ did too. He pitied this woman. Caught in the act of adultery. You know why? She's violated herself. Hey, listen to me. It ought to break our heart when people ruin their lives. It ought to break our heart when people get on drugs and addictions and sex addictions and and homosexuality, lesbianism, adultery and all that that the devil uses to mess people's life up. When a woman loses her chastity and sins against her purity, she knows she has been used. She knows she's given something away that she can never retrieve. She knows that thereby she is diminished and diminished in a way that she cannot be restored. That ought to cause great shame and sorrow rather in our heart for that person. I pity this woman because she is used by the hands of vile men who care nothing about her. She's just a toy of their pleasure and a piece of merchandise to them. They don't love her. They're not a emotionally committed to her and she is trying to find love in all the wrong places and have been taken advantage of. Her conscience is being defiled. Oh, we ought to pity the woman when we see somebody made in the image of God and the devil rips their life up. tires their family up. It's not time to get out the finger of condemnation, even though the law's going to be upheld. It's time that we're broken hearted over the trick of the devil and the weakness of men and the depravity of the flesh. Now, now that I got all that out of the way, I want to get to this story. Jesus is talking about this woman caught in the very act of adultery. What's the problem? The act follows the preparation. The preparation follows the desire. And the desire follows the lust. And the Lord knows that. And the Lord looks on the heart. He knows the heart. He knew these Pharisees. He knew they had been caught, but not in the act of a public sin listen to this Matthew 5 27 you've heard that it's been said of them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery but I say unto you whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart Christ said you've heard of old time thou shalt not kill what did Christ say if you hate your brother without a cause you've committed murder in your heart already guilty. I might not have been caught in the act but have been caught in the thought and you've been caught in the thought and that's where sin generates from. Hey, it's not as bad to think about adultery as it is committing the sin, but you committed the sin when it got in your heart and you fantasized about it and you undressed that woman you've committed adultery in your heart. That's exactly what Christ is saying. ye that are without sin cast the first stone and Christ is trying to deal. Not that sin must be taken care of. Not that the church has got to have a measure of discipline to keep the spirit of God from being so grieved. What Christ is emphasizing here is the heart of man. These Pharisees, like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said, man, I thought I was good. He even said, I kept the whole law. You know why? He had never committed murder. Uh, At the time, uh, when he was a young man before he got to killing Christians, he had never committed adultery. But when he found out that what you think in your heart is sin, he found out the commandment revived and he died. He thought he was doing good Hell he found out what sin was. It's not just the action. It's the thought. It's the imagination. It's what you're contemplating on. And God knows that. And that's why Christ put the emphasis where he did. Now, the Lord said, you've heard of old time." Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. I say, and you love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, how uh, uh, when I see this woman caught in the act of adultery, what Christ is trying to say, Brother Mike, we give that sinner a chance to repent. How, brother, if they don't repent, then they got to be dealt with. But you always give that sinner a chance to repent before you make a public example out of them. If they won't repent, then they force you to do what you don't want to do. heard a preacher say one time, he said this young boy, said, I believe God's calling me to preach. And he said, I believe God wants me to spend my ministry rebuking Christians. Why God ain't called him. No, right. God don't call a man to rebuke Christians. Now there might be some that have to go on, but listen. When God calls a man to preach, He's going to put some mercy in his heart and some compassion in his heart. Now, and uh, anyhow, think about Christ said, I know the hatred, I know the malice, I know the envy, I know the jealousy, the pride, the vengeance, and the lust in your heart. Young boy, you might be 10 years old. Young girl, you might be uh, 10 or 11 or 12. Mom and daddy, everybody talks about how good you are. But only God knows what's in your heart. you might not have done nothing wrong outwardly like a lot of people have never smoked drunk liquor but God knows your imaginations and he knows your heart that's why we're all sinners in need of God as it is written there's none righteous no not one there's none that understandeth there's none that seeketh after God they've all gone out of the way they've all become unprofitable there's none that doeth good that means holy acceptable to God there's none None that doeth good, no, not one. Now we know, Whatsoever things the law saith, It saith to them under the law, That every mouth may be stopped, All the world may become guilty, Before God caught in the act. Caught in the thought. Caught in the imagination. Matthew 5, verse 5, or, or John 8, 5. Now Moses, him the law commanded us that we have such should be stoned. What, but what says thou? You know what the law says? It can say one thing. You're guilty. You broke it. No mercy no need to beg the law for mercy the law's done got you condemned and worthy of death and waiting the day of execution in other words you broke the commandment today you can't do a good deed tomorrow to make up for what you did today once the law's broken it's an eternal offense against God it can't be undone it can't be made right it must be forgiven or it will be punished and that's what Christ is all about that's what these Pharisees would not accept that their works were filthy rags that what they did was not acceptable nothing the law can do but condemn you and condemn me when God pulls you before him and that broken law cries out against you your mouth will be stopped that's what it says see when, when you and I stand before God Nobody else is standing there with us. That person that seduced you into sin, they're not going to be there. Their day's coming. You'll stand there for yourself. And the broken law, there's no mercy in the law. That, what am I saying? Let me explain it, kids. This is what that means. That means no mercy in the law, no grace in the law, that once you break it, it's over. Hey! You can't go back. You can't undo it. All you can do is get forgiveness because no works of yours can make up right what you've done wrong that's why the shed, without the shedding of blood there's no remission there's no forgiveness you can't go do 10 good deeds tomorrow and say 50 Hail Marys cause you done 50 sins today it doesn't work that way when the law's broken it's a crying out for your blood it's crying out your guilty it's crying out for your damnation and the only hope you've got is to get to Christ where Christ can forgive you save you and reconcile you now listen to Galatians 4 21 I'm headed somewhere tell me you that desire to be under the law you want to live under the law then he said the Adventist here you don't keep that Sabbath crazy crazy false doctrine that says if you worship God on Sunday you've taken the mark of the beast what foolishness hey if you're going to keep that law keep it all why do, why, why do they crank their car on sudden or on the Sabbath? You can't build a fire on the Sabbath. And when you crank that car, that's internal combustion and you produce the fire. Or are you getting what I'm saying? You gather sticks on the Sabbath day. What God's are telling you is however a little minute thing that breaks God's law is sin. And it's serious with God. Hey, you better not try to go to heaven keeping that law. You ain't got a snowball's chance in the fires of hell of getting there like that. I've got to have grace and I've got to have mercy. I've got to have a redeemer. I've got to have a savior. I can't bridge the gulf. I can't make up the wrong. If God have mercy I'm hell bound and God knows I am and I do too Galatians three ten: as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse as it's written curse it is everyone that continueth not in all things you don't get to buffet bar this thing folks you don't get to choose what you want to keep and not keep you're going to go to heaven keeping the law you got to keep it all right and not one time, not listen to me, not one weakness when you're in the first grade or the second grade and you lie on somebody. You done messed up then. You're right. You've got to be perfect all the days of your life. Yes. Twenty four hours a day. That's what he's saying. If you're gonna uh, continue in the law, you got to you know what the curse of the law is? There's nothing wrong with the law of God, the commandment of God, the curse is you can't live it, I can't live it, and the weakness of my flesh is the curse of it. I'll tell you one thing: you, you do all that work you want to, I'm a crying for grace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whether you've been called in the act, been called in the thought. Her being caught in the imagination. God's law cannot clear the guilty. God's law cannot let you go. I don't care how much your mama cries and your daddy cries and you cry. The law can't let you go free. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Oh, no need to promise to do better. If you committed one sin in your life, you done messed up, buddy. Yes, sir. Did you reckon you done one? You reckon you good folks ever committed one sin in your life? sir. Well, Lord God, some of you commit that every second. The thought of foolishness is sin. I mean God's standards are high. You hey, I don't care if you got on our Jordans, our our Kobe's, or our anything. You can't jump to the moon. I don't care how much you lift weights, you'll never have the ability to stand on the earth and jump to the moon you cannot keep God's standard the gulf is too wide and the, uh, the height is too high and the depth too deep you can't do it Hey, that's why when you hear the law of God preached and you're guilty do like I did and cry for mercy yes, Christ had no sin All he was, sin was imputed to him I'll tell you one thing, praise God. Jesus Christ kept it. You say, if he kept it, why is he condemned by it? Because he became you and me on the cross. The law can't release this woman. They got her. The law of Moses got this woman. She's condemned. She is worthy of death. He can't let her go. Christ cannot supersede that law either. But what he's going to do, praise God, is pay her sin debt for her. Hey, it's got to be paid for. Are you listening? There's no way that God can look the other way, let you into heaven. The only thing God will accept is the sacrifice of a holy victim, a substitute who has qualified With the qualifications of God's demand, Christ was born a virgin, lived a sinless life. He was qualified as the God-man to die for you and me. And God the Father accepted his payment. Why would you look anywhere else? Why would you consider anything else? Why would you run from the grace of God when it's the only chance any of us has got of being saved? God's law is just and holy. There's no loopholes in God's law. There ain't no paying off a crooked judge or crooked lawyer. This they said tempted him that they might have to accuse him, but praise God. Jesus stooped down. Don't you like that? You're like, things coming off again. Jesus stooped down. Now the Lord Jesus Christ here is sitting at the temple uh, teaching the people. They bring this woman, cast her down at the feet of Christ, caught in the very act of adultery. They want Christ to give the permission, even though the Roman government won't, they want Christ to give the permission that this woman ought to be stoned to death. What did Christ do? He didn't lamb blast this woman. He didn't rebuke her. He stooped down. Got down on the ground beside of her. While that other crowd. He's looking down their fair sickle, nose at her. cries. didn't even look down on her. He got down by sight of her. That's what he does. He's a good Samaritan, hallelujah. That'll take you and bandage you up and pull in wine and oil. And when religion passes you by, thank God there's one. That'll come to where you are and set you free by the power of God. Thank God he stooped down. Aren't you glad he didn't stand up and debate and argue? I'll tell you something, he ain't arguing with Pharisees. He stooped down. Why? Number one, he loved her without hesitation. I'll tell you why. The Lord's got pity on her. Because of the way they set her up. This woman may not, listen, this might not have been the normal aspects of her life this could have been a one time deal I don't, it don't really matter but the Lord knew her heart he loved her without hesitation he knew that she would bear, he knew what he would do if he got down with her if he stooped down with her he'll bear the wrath of the Pharisees the wrath of religion the wrath of the law but he stooped down anyway he knew his country his own people he came into his own and his own received him not but for those that would receive him I'll tell you he stooped down he knew his own people would turn against him he knew that crucify him but thank God he stooped down at Bethlehem's manger and the God of heaven the son of God became a man he stooped down away down was laid in a manger. Praise God, the Bread of Life was laid in a manger, and the Lamb of God was born in a barn. And Christ stooped down. He stooped away down. And the foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, That the Son of Man had no place to lay His head. He stooped away down. He that was rich, he that owned it all, he that had all power and all wisdom, he stooped down that take a body that he might shed His blood. And redeem you. And pay the sin yeah. debt. That's how much that he loved you. I'm glad he didn't look down. He stooped down. Our Lord loves sinners. He's a friend of them. Romans 5.8. But God commended his love toward us. Now, folks, listen to me. I, some of you have been mistreated by religion. Don't equate that to Christ. He hated it worse than you do. Yes, sir. You right. say, well, that bunch of self-righteous Pharisees treat me like dirt. They treated him worse than that. They crucified him. Yes, sir. Boy, hey, if you've been done wrong tonight Maybe some preacher you had confidence in, run off with some woman, broke your heart, wounded your spirit. Maybe somebody you had confidence in, run off with your wife, run off with your husband, and like to broke your heart, went to church together. All this stuff that happens, I'll tell you, praise God, there's one that loves you. Get past all that stuff and re- realize God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. You say, I'm totally unworthy and I'm a great sinner. Well, praise God, that's who gets to come. You say, I'm unworthy to pray. That's all the people can pray. Yes, sir. Say I'm too big of a sinner for God to love. That's all Once he, he does love. If you think you deserve it, hey, he loves you, but you're not going to get in on it. He stooped down. He came down he identified with her he didn't stand with her accusers who did Christ stand with he got down the ground with that fallen woman he was numbered with the transgressors oh yes on the cross of Calvary he died between two thieves and he did it for you and for me he that was rich became poor he that knew no sin and could not sin became sin oh he who wrote the law uh, allowed Himself to be tested by that law. He got down and wrote on the ground, verse 7. And they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. You know what happened? The law brought this old sinner to Christ. And the law's going to drag you before God one of these days. Oh, yes. I'll tell you one thing you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're insane because you're going to meet a holy God that's going to have no mercy and the wrath of God no mercy and the broken law of God no mercy thank God there's mercy now of this old sinners cast down before the Lord Jesus Christ here he identifies with the sinner he takes the place of the sinner he's numbered with the transgressors and she's touched by his mercy he lifted up himself and said unto them he that is without sin among you let him first cast a stall at her now I'll tell you something you been in a church fight you don't want to get in one my brother Mike, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you the pastor here? If you ever been in a situation where it seemed like the wolves of hell was it just a gunning down your back, what do you think of those that stand with you? You die for them. Listen to me. When adversity comes, Eric, and someone, uh, let me tell you, men, something. or you women? If somebody tonight. And you don't have to tell me if you told God you're forgiven. But let me illustrate this. If you messed up and you went out on your wife or husband, and that wife or husband forgave you and really forgave you, and loves you like it never happened, if you got any sense or God about you, you'll love that person like you never did. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what got this woman's heart. Here's a man standing up for her. Here's a man who loves her. Here's a man willing to lose his public prestige and is standing among men to take up for a fallen, adulterous woman. That's the love of Jesus. Now, let me say this right quick. A woman had no standing before the law. None. Oh, well, A woman couldn't even divorce, divorce her husband in Israel. He could treat her like a dog. She couldn't divorce him, but he could her. That's the law of Moses. Read your Bible. Women didn't have a chance, man. Jesus liberated them. you want one of these women livers that hates Christ? You're a fool. Amen. Yeah. That's the best way I can say it. Because yes, God says what God says. I wouldn't say it if he didn't say it. I mean, he's the one who liberated you. He's the one who gave dignity to women like they never had. He's the one that loved you when men or were treating you like the bottom of their feet. And Christ gave them dignity. The law says obey and you get to live. The problem is none of us have obeyed and we're going to die. Jesus said, you bunch of devils, you think you're the judge of this woman? Let's see your righteousness. There ain't nobody can judge somebody as far as what they're doing. But God Almighty, I'm not talking about when your children do wrong, you can't tell them it's wrong. I'm not saying that. These men have no mercy for her. They've done condemned her like their are God. And Christ said, if you're the judge, let's see your credentials. Why don't you step forth? The first one of you jaybirds that's never sinned and committed a fault, let's see you. Hey, pick out the stone. I'll let you stone her if you're holy enough to do it. From the eldest to the youngest, they began to leave. See, in substance, they're right. They're right about what the law of Moses said. But thank God we're getting under the law of Christ. I'm glad adulterers aren't executed now. They're forgiven. Right. Uh, uh, we're not under the law of Moses in that regard we're not the nation of Israel all that was about anyhow folks was to show us what sinners we are how holy God is so that men would understand the death of Christ and why he must have grace in verse 10 when Jesus lifted up himself and Saul numbered the woman he said unto her where are thine accusers and have no man condemned thee. The law said, "Killer." The law said, "Stoner." But Christ said, "Forgiver." But yeah. weren't well, you glad when justice called that mercy answer? Yeah. When you were condemned to death in hell fire, separated from God, as one in heaven cried out, oh, "Father, I shed my blood for them." Grace, grace, yeah. grace. Hallelujah. Where are thine accusers? Now I've got to my favorite part here. Jesus stooped down and began to write in the temple yard, in the sand or in the dirt. As he writes, he says nothing to these men. You know why? They're not worthy of a response. You come to God cocky, God ain't got nothing to say to you. If you're going to talk to God, you're going to humble down. They press him and finally he rises up and says, he without sin, let him cast the first stone at her. Then he returns, he stoops back down to the ground and the mob begins to thin. The eldest, as I said, down to the youngest, they began to leave. Now, as I've said, I don't know what Christ wrote, but the important thing is, is that he did right. Right. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say whatever he wrote was the infallible in Aaron. A far word of God. That's what Christ wrote. He's God and whatever he wrote down was the word of God. And it's quicker than any two-edged sword yeah. piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That day when the religious leaders came uh, with the law of God to trap the Son of God, the Master wrote down the Word of God and the living Word wrote down the written Word. They had no idea who they a messing with that day. <laughs> Jesus said, My Word will not return unto me void. Does that mean everybody's going to get saved? No, the purpose of it sometimes is to send them running. You ever thought about that? Every message is not to get people saved. Sometimes it's to separate the sheep from the goats. Well, that's exactly what happened right here. His will's accomplished. They began to stumble over each other to leave. Boy, they had the written word of God, but they failed to recognize the living word standing right before them. They came to fight Christ, but they came to fight the Lawgiver. How are they going to outsmart the one? who wrote the law, the author of the law, that's exactly right they come in judgment of another and the word of God judged them and the Bible said the sinner cannot stand in the judgment, that's right a sinner's got no standing in the judgment, that day Christ became their judge and they had no standing when it's all over thank God there's one got a standing and it's that very one called in the act of adultery, because Christ gave her standing by the grace of God. And if you're going to stand there vindicated and declared righteous, you've got to have standing with God. And that standing comes through the grace of God. Sinners can't stand in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord and that woman's now the congregation of the righteous. She's standing for the judge was her lawyer. But that's a stacked deck if I ever heard it. I mean, when your lawyer's the judge, you can't hardly lose. When your advocate and your mediator's the judge, here it is and I'm about done, just yards away yards away was that chamber called the holy of holies. Inside the holy of holies on the day of atonement, the high priest went once a year to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And the cherubims looked down every day of the year at man's broken law, breaking God's law, at man rejecting a God's high priest, at man rejecting God's daily provision, which is all in Christ, but in Inside that Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant that was a symbol of the throne of God on this earth. Inside that Ark seats tables of stone that she broke. Yards away. Centuries earlier earlier, at at Mount Sinai that old mountain was shrouded with smoke and lightning blazed through the darkened skies and thunders rolled and the mountains quivered beneath the presence of the great almighty God and by the finger of God that same finger that wrote in the sand that day, that same finger engraved the ten commandments on stone old Moses walks down off of Mount Sinai and he sees the people already breaking the law of God. They're committing idolatry and adultery, and he throws down those stones and breaks them and goes back up on the top of the mountain and once again God takes his finger, that same finger that wrote in the sand that day, God took his finger and wrote on the minerals of those tablets of the word of God and the earth shook and the heavens trembled and all creation knew that God had made no. His glorious will. And when Christ was on the cross, the earth trembled. And God sent an earthquake and rent the rocks. And when he resurrected, thank God God sent an earthquake and rent the rocks. Letting this world know, praise God, that God's will has been fulfilled and salvation has been accomplished through the blood of the Lamb. Oh, Moses comes down. Breaks those law, breaks those tablets of stone and goes back up. And God sits a prepares another one. That same finger that wrote in the dirt that day in the courtyard is that same finger yes. that wrote the law of God. And the Pharisees bring this woman to the lawgiver. And that day, he wasn't writing the law. He wants right in judgment. Thank God, His right mercy for a woman called to that of adultery. Right. The one whose law she had broken and could not please, Christ wrote mercy for her. The condemnation of those other men meant mercy for her that same finger that wrote the law of God on Mount Sinai has the same finger that wrote judgment on the plastered walls of King Belshazzar as they had a drunken orgy and a feast of all of his thousand lords and they bring them in and they got so audacious and so hated the law of God and Jehovah the God of the Israelis that they brought in the vessels out of the house of God that Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC had stolen, got to drink it out of those goblets and God said there's a finger that came on the wall and God wrote uh, Christ that same finger uh, wrote uh, that your your kingdom has been divided and the Medes and the Persians are going to get your kingdom uh, for thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting thank God I'll not face that finger of the law and that finger appointed me in judgment Thank God I'm face a finger of mercy and of grace. Those hands reached out, saying, Come unto me and I'll give you rest. I'm so glad God gave me enough sense to flee to Christ when I did. Thank God for the salvation of Christ. This old wicked woman couldn't stand in the judgment, so Christ stood for her. Christ stooped down two times. He stooped down. He stooped away down in the incarnation. He stooped away down in the crucifixion. To think that God would allow Himself to be tried by men, to think that the God Man would allow Himself to be beaten by the hands of men is more than I can comprehend. But when He stooped down, I'll tell you why she can get up, because He was lifted up. The Bible says He lifted Himself up. That's exactly what happened on the cross of Calvary. So fallen people like you and me, that's been cast down in the dirt. From the dirt we came to the dirt we're going again. And God takes away the fear of death because Christ got lifted up on the cross of Calvary. And he cried to die! It is finished. It is finished. And in those days, they put a card on the jail cell of that old prisoner with his crimes listed. And when the debt been paid uh, thank God that right to tell Telestai the debt's been paid that finger of God wrote on my account thank God paid in full and I'll not stand for all the sin I've committed because he paid for all of them but of God we serve mercy you can have all the judgments you want I want mercy where are thine accusers There's none, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Where are thine accusers? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? it is Christ that died yea brethren he is risen again who is at the right hand of God who maketh intercession for us all the accusers are silenced notice this he wrote that finger that wrote the law of God that finger that wrote the justice of God wrote mercy that day for that old poor sinner and he's still writing Had mercy for you and for me when we come to him by faith I'll tell you something he wrote something else down he wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life with that finger. We find out in the Bible that it's, there's a Lamb's Book of Life and there's a Book of Life. And that, that name, your name and mine, could have been blotted out with that finger. I want to ask you a question. Have your accusers been silenced? Has the devil got a point of accusation against you? The devil might come and say, you know what, you ain't lived like you ought to since God saved you. I can say, you're right about that, but I got the birth mark called the blood mark. What you gonna do about that, devil? Nothing. The law of God's your accuser. The justice of God is your accuser. The wrath of God's your accuser. The accuser of the brethren, the devil is your accuser. Your sins, your accuser. Exodus 32, 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. You know what that means? You die without a savior, your name is blotted out. That's what he said. You know why? You don't have anybody standing for you. What's the backdrop of that? It's all in the New Testament too. Brother Jesse, in those days I preached on this other Sunday night, in those days they had a town register. Everybody that was born was put in the book of life. And when you died, they blotted out your name because you was no longer alive. You know why I'll never get blotted out of the book of life? Because I ain't never going to die. And you say, well, who do you think you are? Oh, this body might die, but I ain't a dying. Because Jesus already said, he that believeth on me shall never die because I'm the resurrection and the life. Boy, wouldn't it be something? Christ blot out your name. You think of the tragedy of that. I mean, you think about how stubborn we got to be when Christ paid such a debt. And we carry that old guilt around and sin around, and all it's ever done is made us miserable, hate ourselves and hate life, and we go right back to it again. Psalm fifty-one, one: Have mercy upon me, O God, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He takes his finger and he blots it out. Wash me thoroughly from my sin. Or from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For my sin is ever before me. My conscience, Lord, is about to drive me crazy. The guilt's about to drive me insane. My sin is ever before me, but thank God it ain't before him. That's exactly right. After you get saved, the devil will accuse you till you die for the things you did. Your sin might be ever before you, but it ain't before him. Exactly right. right. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That woman left there broken, not broken over her sin. She's broken over the fact that Christ could love her so. Now, if you'd happen to be here tonight and you're an agnostic or you're an atheist, I going to ask you a question. What are you going to do with your sin? What are you going to do with them? How are you going to wipe them out? See, how are you going to get peace with yourself? There ain't but one way you can, that's through Christ. What a story. What a glorious, beautiful picture of how God forgives I guarantee you one thing when she got back home there's some changes took place in that little lady's life because she stood there that day and there was a man listen listen Again, men did not take up for women, let alone fallen women, let alone publicly. This is totally against all their culture. Not only, not only, listen to this now. Did Jesus defend her? Not only did Jesus love her, but he had the power to forgive her. And she knew he did. (laughs) I like it when he not only saves you, he lets you know he did. And you know what? I guarantee you every time one of those old boys come back around and say, Hey, you want to go have a fling? She'd see Jesus stoop down. <laughs> right in that sand. <laughs> so I remember a day when a gang of, of devils was around me, accusing me, crying for my blood, wanting me to be stalled. And there's a man. Got down there in the dirt with me. And that's Jesus. Who is Now, why did God send this sermon tonight? Well... For some that's been saved, you need to know just how much you've been forgiven. It's sitting in something temporary. You're not forgiven when you feel like it. You're forgiven because the blood of Christ says so. No matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what Pharisees say. It matters what the word of God said. They overcame him. That's the devil by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. How would that old woman overcome them old boys? By the word of God. God, What Jesus wrote on that sand, give her victory over her accusers. That's what give you victory. So what do you mean by that? When you come to Christ, you take God at his word and you claim the promise of God. God's a-dealing with you. You can say, Lord, you told me, him that cometh unto me, I'll in no wise cast out. I'm a-coming Lord. You are drawing me and I'm a-wanting you. You promised me you wouldn't cast me out. That's faith. That's faith. That's not just words. It's gotta be in your heart, but thank God it was in this woman's heart. Say, preacher, that just ain't fire. Well, what ain't fire about it? I've not done what this woman done here exactly in this story, but it's been in my heart and mind. I hate to admit that to you. You might as well get that halo off you've done it too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. You might not have been caught in that, you got caught in the thought. you right. That's right. God forgives. And he loves to do it in a way that he gets all the credit. That's right. <laughs> here they are. Let me just say this. I just thought of this. Here's that crowd just badgering her and aggravating her. I mean, uh, listen, you dear women in here, can you imagine? Megan, can you imagine what that woman went through with all them old vicious men? Some of them devils, I guarantee you've been with her. And they're up there, pointing that old finger in her face. And her hive clothes, so embarrassed, so humiliated. Jesus didn't say one word about how she is (laughs) dressed. He's about to clothe her in a robe of righteousness. Right, preacher. You catch a fish before you clean them. Y'all know that, don't you? But there's all that accusation around her, and all them threats, and all that vicious, oh God. The devil and those men, just all that viciousness. But when she, when Jesus stooped down and wrote the word of God in the sand, and it ran her accusers off, she's at peace. But when you lose that load of sin, you'll find peace. Yes, sir. Let's stand on their feet.